Batista licks away. Ben Davis with a tackle. Here's Son. Sissoko. Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Mora. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Lucas Mora with the last kick of the game. The Ajax players collapse to the ground. Tottenham Hotspur are heading to the Champions League final with a goal that we just couldn't believe. Jermaine Genus is speechless. Absolutely speechless. And so is everyone inside this stadium. I can't believe it, Blake. Hello, welcome back to the N17 podcast. I'm Cosmo, and today I'm joined by Eddie Tesfaye, oh. Jen Watson, and Bobby, Bobby Bumpbed yeah. Spiegel. Oh, Apparently, that's, that's oh, the new name. That's Bobby, the new Bobby Bunkers. Bobby, you know where that's coming from, but I don't know if we can say that on, on there. I feel like we should make more of a comment of um, Jed's pink room, but... <laughs> Right, you know what? We've we've even got the classic dog barking in the background of my video, of oh, my call, dog in the background of my call. Yeah. At least this time we haven't done it right in the middle of the NHS clap. Oh, oh. fair enough. Yeah. That, that was a bit of a mistake last oh, time. That last time. We almost did it. We almost did it. We weren't too far off. Yeah. Oh. I was. I was listening to um, Playboy Carty to try and psych myself up for the po- uh, for the podcast, <laughs> but I didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. <laughs> Before the Zoom call, I was just banging it out, <laughs> like, full volume. You're speaking Cartonese for the rest of the pod now. Yeah, should I put my voice through, like, a little filter? Put it in the back in there, mate. Put it through the baby <laughs> filter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get into it. So, we said we would do an anniversary podcast for the Ajax game, um, after we covered the City one. First leg, um, just to give a bit of context, bit of context around probably one of Champions League's greatest comeback. I feel like someone who can best give us the context is is Jed, because you were actually at the game, the first leg, which we lost 1-0. And um, yeah, so going into the second leg, I remember the first leg, it kind of just felt like a bit of a disappointment, really, the first leg, because obviously we'd had that high of City, and my memory of it, at least, was that we just weren't very sharp. in, in my memory, at least, it seemed like Sissoko was one of our biggest threats, which is never a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Son was suspended, Kane was injured. And yeah, so it was a 1-0 loss. But yeah, watching the highlights back, I've got to say, like, the atmosphere actually looked pretty insane. Yeah, it was. W- what are your memories of it, Jeff? Um, yeah, man, I think it was, I think it was like the third game I went to. And um, yeah, like you say, the atmosphere was crazy because... I mean, the first Champions League game was against City, and obviously their their away their away sport was right next to where we were sitting, and they did they didn't do anything for the whole ninety minutes. They were silent. So then you come into this this one against Ajax, and I mean you could probably hear it on the TV. They they were giving it all game, so it's sort of like a battle between the fans trying to trying to outsing each other, and it just it just created such a such a intense atmosphere, and like you say, it just. We just never really got going in that first leg, and I thought, I mean, we had a lot of injuries, but you said it yourself, you were disappointed, and that's 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 all I can really say about it. To be honest, it was, we didn't really do much. They they bossed us for the whole game, 
Um, so going into the second leg, I was thinking, well, it's only a 1-0 win. We've got a few players back for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a lot worse considering the team we had out in that first leg. Um, so, yeah, I was just looking forward to the second leg and thinking we could actually maybe do something. It's weird how much, looking back on it, our hopes were pinned on Son. Um, yeah. He was so informed, like, from the City game and him being suspended for the for the first leg, I feel like that really hurt us. But, um, yeah, we kind of... I would say we kind of could never see Lucas's performance come in. Yeah. But I watched in the highlights, but I did watch the, the first leg highlights back before this. And there were little hints that Lorente and Lucas could do something special against Ajax. And I wonder whether the management team kind of like built on that going into the second leg. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember, but Lorente turned into Ollie's guy on pro clubs. I don't know if, <laughs> if you've encountered <laughs> him, but he was just like, in the, at, right at the start of the second half, he was just doing these, he had this amazing sequence where he like flipped the ball over someone's head. He was doing like kick-ups. Yeah, and made a massive chance for himself, which didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas as well was was quite dangerous. Yeah, well, he he did that little Gascoigne flick over the head. Lorenzo, yeah. yeah, 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 it was yeah, all forgotten about. No, that's but then that makes it crazier that he dropped him for the the second leg, and he only brought him on at half time. Yeah, no, for sure, especially because I think. The first leg showed that Ajax did have a weakness to a long ball. Hmm. Yeah, because they don't have they have small defenders, right? Their centre backs are what Daly, Blint, and to be fair, Delict, yeah, is a bit of a unit. Yeah. Um, but Daly Blint is by by no means like the, the tallest centre back, hmm. and I think it was something definitely that obviously we did exploit in the second leg, second but second leg, second half. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As, as a as a as a team that's got to the semi-final, you think doing your homework, you know, they haven't got the tallest centre-backs. Why not exploit that? Even against teams like, um, even when they were playing uh, uh, Juventus and Ronaldo scored a header, it's just like, yeah. you're doing your homework. Um, you see, you know, that they don't have that aerial threat aside from Delict in their or like the aerial presence aside from delicting their defence. And Lorente is a perfect foil for that. It's yeah. per- literally the perfect foil for the, the big the big man-little man partnership up front. Yeah. Well, it's we... Go on, John. Go on. Go on, go on. Um, I was going to say, it's interesting you should you should mention the, the sort of the small defence aspect because um, over lockdown, um, I've been, I read uh, Inverting the Pyramid, by Jonathan Wilson, the fo- uh, like one of the best books on football tactics. And then I read another book um, about an English professor who becomes a, it's a true story, who becomes a football hooligan with Hellas Verona for a year in Serie A. And he goes to every single game, home and away. And one of the things which I like took away from that was sort of like the cultural aspects of how each nation has its own very distinct style of playing. Um, with the Premier League, like we like to think that that's gone away in terms of because we've got Pep, we've got Poch, it's such like a mix of international styles. Mm. Most most of the teams are made up of so many different nations, but I think one of the interesting things about Spurs v Ajax was 
Spurs, even though we had been playing like a sort of pressing game, Argentinian with a with an influence of of German football with the press, we completely reverted to type against Ajax and yeah. became so so English. And Ajax equally became so so Dutch. Like they yeah. had a small defense. They were passing rings around us in that first leg. And um, yeah, it reminded me of of a quote in that uh, Italian book was that Gianfranco Zola said when he was managing, when he was at Chelsea, was that you can have no English players in your team, but the English crowds will just like demand that you play like a certain way. Like you can't help it. Just like Mm -hmm. being in those stadiums, which um, I found that quite interesting. Like how long ball we went in particularly the second leg. I think it's because we knew. Sorry, Beadle. I think it's we knew we couldn't we couldn't match them for how they wanted to play. I mean, if you if you look at how we started that game, um, the the first ten minutes were absolutely abysmal. They come right out the traps, and it was just a complete onslaught for the first first ten minutes. We would try and press them, and they would do these neat little triangles and get out of every situation. And then even if they did make a mistake, they would then force us into a mistake and we would just hoof the ball out of play. So, I mean, really, it's actually, we're lucky that in that first half, Wanyama got injured and then we had to bring on Lorente because I think that then forced us to sort of change our style a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, like Eddie said in the first leg, we, we obviously exploited them with that long ball and then we were able to do it again in this, in this second leg, maybe a bit earlier than we probably would have done because if Wanyama hadn't got injured, then... I can't imagine Lorente would have come on until maybe the seventieth minute mark, and I think he was he was a pivotal role in what we did up until that sort of minute. Yeah, because Poch was known for his like leaving substitutions really late. Yeah, as well, which I've sort of forgotten about. But it's interesting you should mention that, Jack, because I'd I'd completely forgotten that Wanyama like had to come off because of an injury. But that's because yeah. you watched the the forty minute highlights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I yeah, like the eight minute one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like when Yama, like we were talking about it the other the other week in the previous podcast, when Yama had like basically only just got back to full fitness, barely. Because like with players like Wenyama, they're never really a hundred percent fit. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, like players like Wenyama, Lamella, Dembele when he was when he was at Spurs. They're never hundred percent fit when they come back. Hmm. Um so like Wanyama going off was yeah, I suppose you're right, like the blessing in disguise. Um because it forced us to change our tactics purely because of the options that we had on the bench. Yeah. I reckon like Poch would have ha- like would have liked to like put a like for like, but because of our options on the bench and the nature of the tie, we're two 0 down at half time. Like it forces him to bring on Lorente. There's no one else you can bring on in that situation. 2-0 down at half-time and your defensive midfielder is injured. Yeah. That's what I think about when I think of that Champions League one. It was amazing and I give a lot of credit to Poch, but there was so much luck in it when you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It all fell into place. And this is coming from Poch's number one fan, by the way. Still still not over it. I think, I think it was the first goal from um, 
Lucas when Deli Ali came through and it, he Deli Ali insist and it was like a cutback that turned out to be assist. Oh, it Everything just seemed to fall our way. And then credit yeah. to Lucas, Lucas was just I have never seen the guy run so fast. Maybe they're the oh, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I saw that the first leg when I was watching it back, he was still, like you said, in the second half, he was turning it on a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was making things happen. Yeah. He's just like a very, like, I think if the game is going his way, uh, in terms of Lucas, like when bounces are going his way, he's very, very difficult to play against because it, there's obviously that cliche yeah. and it's nothing to do with like, Oh, even he doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball. But like with Lucas, like you, you always get the 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 feeling that he does know what he's doing with the ball. It just looks chaotic. Yeah, like yeah. when he's running with the ball, it always seems like it's a bit out of his control. But realistically, you know, it's just that his feet are moving so quickly that like his it looks like his mind is like trying to catch up. He yeah. he's um, very instinctual. He's a very instinctual. Yeah. And I think, like, if you look at his goals, he's finishing, even his dribbling, it's like it, he only knows what he's going to do like a millisecond before his foot touches the yeah. ball. So yeah. it's very difficult to defend against if he's, you know, in the mood. Yeah, it's weird you should say that because I think I went to the game, I don't know if it was before City or before the first leg of Ajax or in between the first leg and the second leg of Ajax against Huddersfield where Lucas scored a hat-trick. Mm. Like, even in that game, like, he scored a cracker. His third was unbelievable. Yeah. And, but even then, you were like, oh, yeah, he's, he's getting near the goal. And then and he just smashes it into the roof of the net. And I'm like, what? What just happened? Like, it's so, <laughs> like, no, no one can see it coming, even though it's, like, loads, it takes loads of skill. But, yeah, yeah he's, so, he's so instinctual. My thing with Lucas, I feel if that was, like, against in the Prem and it was like a two-leg Carling Cup once they saw him put the burners on there would be some big centre-back whose first thing to be just smash him and then that yeah. would put him off and he wouldn't I don't think you'd see Lucas do that I saw an interview with Martin Keogh that's talking about how they deal with the pacey strikers and they, he just literally said give him an elbow like when, when the referee's not looking and like in, in that player's mind he's like I'm not going to try to go past him and I feel like that was the downfall for Ajax. They're too, it was too, they were young side. They didn't have that dirty aspect to them. Yeah, and I, I suppose that feeds into the, the whole, like, the Dutch versus the English way of playing. Like, they were quite fair. Like, I even noticed um, in the second leg that the ball boys were actually throwing the ball in, like, really quick. Like, say that was in Italy, that ball just disappears. Like, oh, like, for at least <laughs> 10, take, like, 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 like, a kickoff would take 10 minutes to get going or a throw-in yeah. or something. But, um, yeah, like, talking about the, the second leg, I think um, I just want to bring up some of the context around it. So... One of the things is that we mentioned it on the last pod, that green kit. And it's weird how in your memory, certain kits become iconic because um, I'm pretty sure all of us, because we've had this WhatsApp group for like a while, even before the pod, pretty Mm. sure when that got released, we were all like, what the hell is that? Like (laughs) It was the map map that killed it because it was a bottle green. Like it was like the same green that Heineken like bottle is. 
Um, shout out Danny Rose. Um, <laughs> it's the same color, like that kind of green. So like, it was just that's an ugly green. And then the fact that we had like the map of London or whatever, or North London, in a like a different shade. Which it was a very like ugly a design. It wasn't actually a map. It looked more like a bolt of lightning or something like that. Yeah, it just looked like a. It looked <laughs> like someone spilt something on a canvas, and I'm like, yeah, yeah it looks like a map. <laughs> yeah. It just had everything going on. Like they just put so many designs just into one shirt. Just sort of thought, fuck it. I think. Yeah, it was just a mess. I don't know what Bobby thought of it. I think I I personally thought the colors the colors weren't weren't terrible. I don't mind the colors, but I think it was more the design and the patterns on the shirt that just made it a bit too loud mm. and a bit yeah. a bit of a mess in the end. I think if it was just the colors how they were, then it would have been fine. Yeah, that's maybe what put the um the Dutch boys off. They're they're quite a fashionable country. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? like in a, in a way like fucking English? Yeah, so I mean, confused like, by them. Their their kits rarely changed over the years, so I wouldn't be surprised. Although their away kit is bare nice, was it? I bet their away but kit that, that black fresh. one. Yeah. I didn't really like that one. I've got to say, I thought that looked a bit like a five-a-side generic kit. You know how you order those like Adidas ones? Oh, see, yeah. Has. I think I just like it with the crest. I think it's a nice... Yeah, they've got, they've got a cool crest. And and this is another like thing feeding into the context is that Spurs and Ajax supposedly had like a friendship of like uh, both having a rivalry with Feyenoord. Um, yeah. Ours came from the UEFA Cup in like I think nineteen eighty four. Um, yeah, it's eighty four. Yeah, or eighty six, something like that. Yeah, and um, also having like a Jewish heritage as a football club, we were supposedly like twins, and I feel like this fixture did so much to just rip that all up. <laughs> to be honest, because they must they must hate the sight of us now. Like, yeah, just reverse it for a second. Imagine being on the end of that. I can't imagine the pain. I don't even want to imagine being on the receiving end of that last second winner. Last second winner. Like, I just can't physically understand. Uh, as, as a Tottenham fan, as a Tottenham fan, <laughs> do you think there's any moment you can compare that to? Oh, loads. I mean, uh, we've, we've Hazard, been... Hazard against uh, us when we were we were chasing Leicester. That's I, close. I, I, I've got to say, I'm close enough though. But Lucas yeah. was literally the last, the last shot in the game. That that is, I've never like that is bad. Which che- is really the biggest game La- of that time as well. Chelsea, um, Chelsea winning the Champions League hurt me deep. That, yeah. yeah, that that was pain. And and, <laughs> and Lasagna Gate as well, 2006. But yeah, as you say, that's it's not a last minute goal. Last kick of the game is really something different, yeah. because because you, I think and obviously we can we're gonna go more into it. Like when Vertonghen hits the crossbar in the game, and that was like the eighty ninth minute or eighty seventh minute, you're thinking that's it. Like we hit the crossbar in the eighty ninth minute, we're not gonna get another opportunity. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. Like we're it's Spurs. Like we're not we're not gonna get another opportunity to. To, to snatch a winner after hitting the crossbar. Yeah. 
Yeah, my hope had completely eroded after that. Not gonna lie, didn't expect anything. But yeah, let's um, yeah, as you say, let's let's discuss the game in a in a bit more detail. And um, yeah, looking back on the highlights, it's unbelievable how quickly we go behind. Um, oh. <laughs> Lloris, I got to say, was incredible in oh. throughout that whole Champions League run. But yeah, he makes like a great, unbelievable save in like the fourth minute and uh, gives away a corner, which De Ligt uh, scores the header from. Um, mm. But yeah. Ha- for some reason. I don't understand that. Who was marking him? Delhi. Yeah. Trippier. Trippier. <laughs> Especially for the second goal, we'll come, into, come on to that more, but he was such a <laughs> yeah. scapegoat that yeah, game. Yeah, 100%. Deservedly so as well. Yeah, deservedly so, but I feel like he bore the brunt of most of everyone's rage, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that the thing is, the the, the issue with that is like, yes, marking should should improve. Um, But it was a good header. Like, it's a big Mm. jump, big leap, and it was right into the corner. Like, Larice wasn't saving it. It was a good corner, and we end. You know, like in the history of Spurs, like our defending against set pieces is dog. Like for some reason, it doesn't matter what, who's in defence, who our manager is, who our keeper is, we cannot defend against set pieces. It's like ingrained in our history. Yeah. I've never, I've never remembered. Like, I can, I cannot remember a time where Spurs were good at defending set pieces. Do you not think? Do you not think maybe all clubs? maybe have that bias. I, I kind of agree with you, but do you not think maybe everyone's like, oh yeah, it's only our team that can't defend corners? Possibly. No, like Chelsea, I think I've never seen like Chelsea struggle with set pieces, even if they haven't had tall defenders. I like, in, in, in like most cases, I've never seen like, yeah, Chelsea, even Liverpool, that badly but Spurs like it seems to be like every time we have like any team like Burnley or uh, or or another team with like Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle set pieces are a nightmare for us we just can't seem to head even it's not even first balls like second balls we can't get second balls either true and in the build up to that goal Vertonghen goes down for like no reason I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why he's when I saw it live. I was just clutching at draws and hoping, hoping the VAR would pick something up. I'm thinking, all right, we might have a chance here. But Tommy's gone down. And that Trippier went down, no? No, no that was for the for the second one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. went down. But yeah, I was convinced the VAR was going to rule that out, and then you just see it again, and he's literally just—I don't know why he's on the floor. It's just fancy, though. It's fancy, <laughs> fancy going on the floor. He's a bit concussed from the game before. Yeah. Delayed. That was one thing I forgot until I watched the highlights back, that whole yeah. weird concussion episode yeah. with Fatonga. Which, which is like another thing that's like, like going a bit off topic, but it's another thing like football needs to have a look at, really. Um, I know they've changed rules about concussion um, recently in like, like in terms of first contact response. Um, but like in terms of like in this, so I know it's a bit off topic, but in terms of like health and stuff in in the current age, with like especially with 
like coronavirus and stuff like we definitely need to have a look at um like first contact responses on pitches especially with like concussion and stuff because that they have like long lasting effects on yeah. players um and i'm sure like obviously that thing with the tongue and has nothing to do with the game beforehand um but like it is strange yeah like how like two weeks ago he gets like almost knocked out and then he's playing in like such a high intensity game Mm. um but yeah like yeah no 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 have no have no idea why he was just you know arse on the floor for that corner yeah no uh, no i completely agree about the concussion rules i think it's ridiculous really i think yeah there should be like an enforced amount of time that you have to be out for if you're concussed for sure. Yeah. But like it brings it back to the game, I suppose, where like we felt like the team were like concussed after that goal. Like no one knew what they were doing. Um yeah. it just looked like it just looked like we were we were kind of like hung over in in terms of like in terms of like we were we were asleep at the set piece, like the wrong people were marking the wrong people, like whether that was a managerial choice or not. Like it just seemed like the organization was completely off, and yeah. I remember when that goal went in, I was just thinking, six minutes in, we're two 0 down on aggregate. Like, we still have every chance of winning, but we we've, we've made it very spursy in terms yeah. of like creating a mount, now creating a big a bigger mountain to climb. Yeah, and in in that sense, I, I think it's. It's like parallel to the city second leg as well, in the fact that we start, we start, we go into the game with so much optimism and and hope, and then within the first five minutes we get all right back down to life, and then that sort of like shocks us into um, like playing a bit better because obviously in the city game we that that goal goes in, we go and score two, and in in the Ajax game a goal goes in, and Some. after that we were actually on top for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We created about two or three chances after that goal went in. And it's just like, it seemed like that was the story of us last year. Like we needed to, and even this year, like we do not start games well. And it's like, yeah. we need to go behind before we realise that we actually need to start playing. Yeah, I'm, I think that game could have easily have taken the same characteristics of the City game because, yeah, as you say, like we were not in control, but we were making a lot of chances after their goal. And um, yeah, Son hit the post literally a minute later, which was um, which was mad. And like, yeah, it could have been like the City game. It could have literally been like, for me, yeah, the image of of Spurs last season is almost like, um, you know, when they first started boxing, that they apparently they used to just tie people to chairs and just hit each other. Oh my days. <laughs> And I, I like so you couldn't dodge it. So I think that was like our, ta- that was kind of like our tactics in the Champions League last year. Like it was so gung ho and just like who could punch harder, really. Yeah, I think we were. It, it a lot of those games in turns into a slug match, where it's just kind of like if they score, we score, um, and like we were we we talked about this in the in the podcast previously when Poch left and last week as well like so much of that campaign was built on the emotion of the team and like there was like a camaraderie that went beyond like you know fighting for your team it was like fighting for your brothers 
Mm. Um, there was a sense that like, if one person made a mistake, like it's up to the team to like pick them back up and like go forward. And like that whole, that whole um, campaign in the Champions League, it was a case of like one of the players, two of the players in the team, like get gathering the team and moving forward. And then obviously with Son's chance hitting the post that, you know, we gathered momentum. And although, you know, Ziyech scored a fantastic goal, like that was a ridiculously well-taken goal. Mm. Um, you know, Danny Rose nutmegging the play on the halfway line and then pumping it to to, to Mora. And uh, like that tidy finish was like, those two players just kind of like gathering what they had and like, inspiring the team to fight and that yeah that kind of fight was like that was like a through line throughout the whole team just like that togetherness and that emotion yeah yeah for sure for sure I think um yeah as you mentioned the the Ziyech goal um unbelievable goal unbelievable finish and I think one of the things I wanted to to mention which only well Jed, Jed you're in the you're in the grammar chat, aren't you, as well? Yeah. Yeah, Did you, yeah. Do you remember the reaction of a, a certain Arsenal fan? And I've got to say, friend of the pod, he's very supportive of the pod. But, um, yeah, our friend Kazra. Um, <laughs> this I can't is... lie, I avoided my phone that whole night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, didn't, he, didn't he post a picture of ZS? No, 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 no. It was, it, was much, it was much worse than that. This is when... For me, the temptation of fate narrative starts to come in because you've got <laughs> Kazra tempting fate, and then you also have the Ajax fans singing Three Little Birds at half time. I think potentially that caused the shockwave throughout the universe, which it had to be corrected, or it had to be corrected, yeah, because Kazra, and I, I love him to bits, but he made one of the worst pieces of gloating I've ever seen. So he was videoing the screen of uh, ZH. Um, blowing kisses slow motion into the camera turns the camera around this guy's ecstatic bear in mind Arsenal were nowhere near the Champions League at this point they've been an absolute <laughs> disappointment in the league they've, they've, let, they've let us into the Champions League by getting beaten by Brighton they're a disgrace this guy this guy's moving like a complete Ajax fan like he's ecstatic turns the screen around and you see his grinning face, like the most <laughs> wide smile you will ever see, just laughing at the camera. And you you just kind of knew. I, I didn't at the time because I'm a Spurs fan, I always expect the worst, but you just yeah. kind of knew that, that that's the kind of video that's going to bite you in the ass. Uh, yeah. And let me just say, that, remind, that remained our group picture, uh, DP, <laughs> for like... A year, at least. Yeah. At least, because even the neutrals were like, this is crossing the line. This is, this is gloating. That it's just not acceptable. <laughs> yeah, that's the rookie errors. You've got to leave it till game's full and done. But then yeah. I had the same confidence as you at half-time. I was full head in hands. I was in a, my uni park bar and it was... Same. Packed. Same. Every, like all the Tottenham fans I was with were just like, yeah, we're done. There's no way, no way. I st- I had no inkling that we could get we could get back into that. 
even after the madness of the city game. I was like, yeah, we are yeah. so messed up. But little yeah. did I know. Where were you guys? Where were you watching it? So Beadle so, was at his uni bar. Same. So I was at my uni bar, but like, it was like a mass. So like, it was technically a bar, right? There was this part that was like massive open, and like they were projecting it onto a wall, which was about, I'd say there's like at least like fifty foot of screen. It was huge, like, yeah. and like the sound system was like blaring it out. It was bare loud, and I'd say there's like probably like. 150 people there like it was it was not especially after like the game like the night before the Liverpool result like everyone was hungry for some more Champions League mm. like because the Liverpool match obviously was insane and I was there like the night before like oh my goodness like we have to win like we have to win yeah um, and yeah it was just insane scenes basically because like you had Arsenal fans there who were che- cheering on Ajax yeah, Chelsea fans who were cheering on Ajax. I had a friend, um, she's actually from Amsterdam. So she was sitting next to me and she was cheering on Ajax with her scarf and hat. I was just like, this is... <laughs> when both the... The amount of people that cheered when those goals went in, I was fuming, fuming. I can imagine. That would, that would infuriate me. <laughs> Jeb, where were you? Were you in the, the pool bar? Like, yeah, we made yeah. a return to pool bar that night. Um but because, I mean, I'm not going to mention the place, but they're doing illegal stuff there. So the TV stream was pretty shoddy. <laughs> um, didn't even see the first Ajax goal until, <laughs> no way. until about three minutes after. What stream were they using? <laughs> no, it, was, it was a normal stream, but like, it was, it was like a BT stream, but they yeah. were getting it off like, I don't know. Total sport tech or something like that. Like, <laughs> Iraq, Iraq some, goals. Some faker one, some faker thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the stream kept lagging. Like, it was getting to a point where we couldn't even watch it. So, I mean, Tottenham were playing shit and we were like, okay, let's just go walk up to Broadway. Um, I'm not fussed if I miss 20 minutes of this at this stage. Mm. And yeah. then we get to Broadway and as we step in, the Ziet goal goes in. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> And that's, then, that's that, torturous. Bearing in mind, it's me, um, obviously, Beadle, you know this group. Pretty much everyone's an Arsenal fan apart from me, you and Gavin. And Beadle weren't there. So it's me, Gavin, and I'd say about seven, eight Arsenal fans. Oh, no. So they were loving it. But yeah. Get the last laugh. I, I, just, um, I just watched it at home with my, with my old man. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he's very much an optimist when we watch Spurs. So at halftime, I don't actually remember it that clearly. I don't think I actually gave up hope. I thought maybe we can do it. I, I kept working out like the away goals in my head and I was like, okay, if we get one back, maybe we can get three. I don't know. But he's like, I will go into like a pessimistic shell just to defend myself. Like, you know, when yeah. it's easier to be a pessimist and just be surprised by something that's I'm good. Sure, and then I'm very guilty of that. he would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I think you're the most guilty out of all of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm like your, I'm like your second in command. Like I'm like, a, <laughs> I'm like a sort of like a devil on the shoulder, but no, no, 
No, I wouldn't say devil on the shoulder because you're much worse than me. But I, I am the devil on the shoulder. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm the, Yeah, I'm just the second in command of the, of the pessimism. But my dad is opposite. Like he's always saying, "Oh, we can get back in it." And I, I imagine I was getting furious with that at half time, but I can't remember to be honest. It's just wiped from my memory. But I do remember them coming out to three little birds, and at the time I didn't really think that much of it, but. Since then, I think the Ajax fans actually believe that they cursed the team with that. Because it was the hot... And I was kind of thinking... It did rile me up, I'm not going to lie. And I bet it riled people up, like um, Danny Rose and people like that. Because it's just the whole crowd were just singing Three Little Birds. Like, they'd already won the game. I think it, like, cut to a shot of um, Clivert singing along. And I was a bit like, hang on. Mm-hmm. we've still got a half to play here yeah we haven't lost this yet we haven't lost this yet and um, to be fair to be fair to the team they came came out brilliantly in the second yeah. half Deli yeah. Ali um, is, it was Christian Eriksen with the ball yeah yeah Christian Eriksen with the ball Ali became very good at finding space which is when mm-hmm. he's at his best um, yeah. and has that shot straight at the keeper but it seemed like maybe the tide was turning a little bit. Um, that's probably like a bit too much hindsight. But yeah, then we get the first goal, as Eddie mentioned. Glorious nutmeg by Danny Rose. And um, I've got to say, very English style of play. The way uh, he nutmegs him and just com- straight away pumps the ball up there. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, was it Beadle you were saying that there was a bit of luck? Was it this goal or was that the yeah. a later goal? Um, I think, yeah, the Ali. first goal where Daddy Ali yeah. did the cut back and it came straight through to Lucas. Mm. They just scrambled in. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first goal, yeah. Yeah, 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 it was. It was pretty, like, I remember watching it and the commentator, he was like, oh, what a pass from Daddy Ali, but it was clearly him just cutting it back. <laughs> and Luke, like Lucas literally came from nowhere. That was that agility, that speed was unbelievable. He literally uh, just ran onto it. Like he, was, he ran in a straight line onto the ball. He was a man possessed that night. And yeah. the amount he believes in God, you could say you could make an argument based on that. <laughs> he, or or you're going on Cosmo's theory, he heard um he heard three little birds and that round <laughs> him up. up. I, can't, no, yeah. I was going to say I can't imagine him being an angry man but he is on record as supporting a fascist so <laughs> maybe oh, who bit knows a bit of fascism that's, a, that's yeah. Lucas Mora <laughs> you should make this um, this three little birds theory into some like hipster doc like this yeah. in America this, they'd love this some 30 for, from 30 for 30 doc <laughs> in full detail with some like spiritual theory. some spiritual like curse yeah, yeah. E- evidence have, have, have some well obviously we're in lockdown at the moment so we can't really explore it that much but make it up have have some make it up have integrity get a video of Lawrence just chatting absolute rubbish about his <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just got what documentary footage of him just like asking the question. Just like, what do you think is a free little bird? Oh, let me tell you about this theory. 
There's definitely <laughs> people out there that believe it though. Just go to the comment sections on uh, on the highlights. There's loads of people saying, "Oh, they shouldn't have sung this at half time." <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly. Do you know what? Do you know what it is? Is I think the manager that they had, as well as us, was a very like. We can't forget just how young that Ajax team was. Like, regardless of their like conquests in the Champions League up to that point, their average age was very, very low. Something like 24 or something. Uh, 25, maybe. Um, and their manager as well was bare young. Um, and, like, I think at half-time they were thinking 3-0. Like, most teams would think that's wrapped up. 3-0, you got the away goal as well. Like, although, like, I know Gary Lineker and, um, and Rio and, and, and um, Glenn Hoddle were talking at half-time about, um, you know, getting that early goal. They, we only need three goals. Like, it's still a tough ask. It's a big ask. Second half, they could... They can essentially make three tra- like three um, substitutions, bring on all defenders, mm. and it's like impossible for us to play football. Yeah. So I think like there was a lot of naivety in the Ajax side coming out at half time, thinking that the game was wrapped up. And I don't think it was arrogance; more that it was like it was essentially wrapped for any good side, for any uh, professional side, three 0 at half-time, you should see that game out. Like it, was def- it was definitely a lack of, a lack of leadership showing they have 3-0 up and it was because the first goal came straight from a corner. It was mm. if, you were un- if you didn't know what was happening, you'd think it was the other way around. You'd think we were 3-0 up because we came on counter-attack and because uh, the lit was yeah. on the other side, it was unbelievable. Yeah, every like, goal was I, counter-attack, yeah. They did play right into our hands. It was unbelievable. Like, that's, yeah, how is the lit nutmegging? Uh, uh, how is uh, Danny Rose nutmegging the lit from the yeah. left back position? Yeah. <laughs> but on the halfway line, no, no, it was further inside his own half. Danny Rose. Oh my goodness! If he had a bit of English in him, as soon as he gets nutmeg, <laughs> straight swipe the angle. Uh, oh. It's getting very Brexit now. <laughs> it's getting very. Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> We've just got to believe. That <laughs> will happen. I just, yeah, I think, obviously, yeah, they did tempt fate with yeah. that song. But like, I also think the team, if even if it was like this year and they had the same team, I doubt like the outcome would have been the same. It's yeah. just like having that, like n- that that now having that like professionalism, that gamesman. Ship. It's like they weren't even making technical fouls. Do you know what I mean? They weren't making fouls. They weren't time wasting. You hate to see it again done against you, but like you in that position, you know, you want every player in your team to play like Lamella. Yeah. Yeah. Although Lamella. Yeah. Yeah. I try my best to forget that. Oh, God. I think that goes back to what Cosmo said about them perhaps being too fair though in the game. Like you say, not enough time wasting. I barely remember them making even one tactical foul throughout the game. Mm-hmm. They had 
they had they still had about three, four, maybe even five like, very chances where they could have finished the game off. Mm. And even towards the latter stages of the game, in I don't want to skip straight forward to the end of the game now, but eight from the 80th to the 90th minute, I think there are two chances there where they could have easily taken the ball to the corner, but instead mm. they were they were going for that that fourth goal in the overall tie when really they that I think that's where their inexperience showed. And I think you're right. If they were if they were to play that same tie again this year, if they were in the semi-final again, then they would definitely make some different decisions and try and wrap that game up because you could see that inexperience showed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um where are we now? The yeah, the Lucas goal comes very soon after the first goal. Mm. And um yeah, I I said in the chat earlier when we were planning the the pod, I think this is one of the best Champions League goals, honestly. I just think what Lucas did was incredible. So I think Ericsson had the ball, um places it out wide to Trippier, who puts it on an absolute plate for Lorente. Yeah. Let oh. me say I said some ir- irrepeatable things about Lorente when he missed that because I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he managed that. If people and, talk about it being a great save. It was just the worst miss I've ever seen. Yeah, couldn't have been the easier for him. The ground as well, somehow. He what, the sorry? Ball, the ball rolled across the, across the <laughs> block on the floor. It weren't even bouncing. And he somehow <laughs> manages to like, do an Urzil and make it bounce up off the floor. <laughs> and he had the whole corner to aim at as well. He goes back across and hits the keeper. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, if you didn't know football, you would have thought that that's like a centre back up in the yeah. last minute. Like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's Loretto's job to put that in the net. <laughs> but yeah, after that, chaos. Like, I don't know how Onana drops it. I think that's. Uh, no, Shona kicks it out of his hands. That dives on, on Scherner's feet. Oh, yeah. right. And then, obviously, that, that like, miscited him or something. And then it comes to Lucas, and then it's just, it's just instinct. That's all it is. Mm. It's pure instinct. He has no time to... Like, like we said earlier, he's best when he doesn't have time to think about what he's going to do. And <laughs> yeah. in that is that moment, he had no time to think. He just did... It was just pure instinct. Beat about three, four men with about four touches. Mm. somehow finds the gap in the bottom it, it, honestly it's, it's such an underrated goal mm. no I completely agree like, he was literally facing away he was facing the halfway line worse than a goal I remember, I remember after this goal I was waiting for some VAR decision like, I thought mm. Lorente could have been offside and I thought there could have been some foul on Onana I think there was a check that Lorente was onside there was well yeah I could definitely remember because that was after the City game, I thought we were going to get our retribution. Mm. Before coming back to kill us. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, like, like Jed said, like, Lucas juggled it within, like, with, with his feet and beat about four people. Like, he was literally just knocking it between his two feet um, and managed to find, like, I would say, like, he's, he managed to find some space. He didn't, he didn't even manage to find any space. He found, like, a, a millimetre of, a second, a millimeter of a second, to just get the ball out of his feet, and it, yeah. and like he managed to find the bottom corner, and it's just an incredible goal, basically. 
I was just screaming when it went in. I was like, how did he get that in? I think after that, it felt, it felt inevitable at the time that we were going to win that game, um, in my opinion, anyway. I know you can never be that confident as a Spurs fan, but um, it felt like we were going to do it because we'd scored in the 56th minute. Yeah. And then, um, so, yeah, sorry, 55th minute and then get another goal in the 58th. So you just assume that another one's coming along. Mm. But it, it just didn't happen. Uh, Jed, how was this watching it on the? I'd be interested to know on the on the extended highlights that you watched the the forty fifth minute. Like, how did the how did the game then go after it, we equalised? For me, it was it was still just all us. Like, it was like watching a complete. It was literally just like watching the first half, but in our favour. I mm. think the whole of that half was spent in their half. Mm. They were so they were pressed so far back the whole time, and. From that second goal up until about, well, until the end of the game, really, they were under the cost for all of it. We were just, we were, we were getting it wide, putting crosses in, creating a few chances or half chances. And they, it was like, they were just trying to hit us on the counter then. Mm. And at that point, I, I couldn't see any other, any other result but us winning because we were defending quite solidly. I know they still had a few chances, but... Honestly, I could only see see one winner out of that game, and it, would, it was going to be us. Yeah, because they had a massive chance in the seventy ninth minute. Yeah, Ziek hitting the post, yeah. and that's when we get the famous uh, Gina saying of um, things are happening. Yeah. Things are happening. Yeah, been saying it. Been saying it all game. <laughs> that was a great saying. That it was. Things are happening. It's because he sounded genuinely like superstitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, what's going asking, on here? Asking a question. And then because it happened, it just it just comes together so well. Like, it's amazing. I think the most, like, I think, like, in hindsight, one of the biggest um, moments of that second half is, like, quiet and, like, a quiet one where instead of bringing on a defender, um, t- um, Hag brings, Ten Hag brings on Dolberg um, in, like, the 75th minute or 80th minute. Um, so like, they took off a striker for a striker, like I think they um, they took Dolberg off for I think it was Sink Sink rather than yeah sorry yeah yeah and then and then I think that so they didn't have a striker but then I think that forced them to play like Tadic as a false nine mm-hmm. which I think that was what he was doing for quite a quite a big portion of the season anyway but um, yeah again it's just. Like I said earlier, perhaps a bit of inexperience. You would think that they would maybe. Um, it's because they the took off the focal point. Like yeah. they had nothing to like. Where where Dolberg was like holding it up, and um, like winning headers. Like mm. Tadish is not going to do that. Yeah. And like because Sinkraven is a, a fullback, like it's not even like they're bringing on a centre half. Yeah. So like it's not it's neither neither or you're not bringing on someone that can take the pressure off to lump it up forward mm. and you're not bringing on the centre half to win headers yeah. they, brought, they took off a striker and brought on a full back it yeah. just seems very backwards I, I, yeah, I never, I'm never a fan of that substitution bringing a defender on to like not have a striker unless yeah. you're playing like two up front I just think it just forces your own team back too much just sets the it kind of sets the narrative into motion that like 
the opposition team that are chasing the game is just going to pin you back. Mm. I, I don't find it helpful. But Unless yeah. you've got a really sturdy defence and you're really confident in your defence being able to see out that game, mm. then, like you say, I just think it's, it's a... A bit like what Chelsea did in their Champions League campaign, where yeah. it was built on like defensive their defensive solidity. They were just winning one nil, and like yeah. eventually they'll take off Torres, and they'll be taking off like their attacking players, and bringing on like or swinger defenders or defensive midfielder. <laughs> Mikel <Single. laughs> Mikel was essential to them winning the the Champions yeah. League. And so they, yeah, Embassy. I think they had a Drogba playing left back as well. Bertrand's played in the final as well. Like it's crazy. But I'm not gonna lie, I don't even want to think of that. It still makes me feel sick. <laughs> still, that's one of my most it's painful. Blue, Spurs uh, honestly, memories. it is a blueprint in terms of defensive. Like when you know you don't have the attacking capabilities, like and and with with Ajax, if they just if they if they weren't sure that their defense was solid. Um, then taking off a focal point makes no sense at all. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But then the drama in the uh, 87th minute, I really thought the game was gone when Vertonghen uh, from a corner, yeah, we had been dominating, like Jed said, but when he hit the bar and then I think from the follow-up, it was cleared off the line. Yeah. I just distinctly remember just slinking back in my chair and just thinking, this is it. Like, yeah. yeah. I thought the game was gone at that point. And even watching the highlights back, like, you kind of get the same feeling again. Like, it just, that felt like a goal that had to go in. But, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what um, Ferdinand said. When they, when they, when they go back to the studio, when they cut back to the studio in the no filter video, on BT Sport, which is a, like a fantastic to recruit, like to retread that like, the emotional journey at least. Rio, Rio, like screaming, that has to go in, that yeah. has to go in, and you're thinking, yeah, like that, that had to go in. That was our chance to win. The time. I don't know if they showed it. I, I'm guessing they didn't show it on the um, no filter, and the I think it was there was another nine minute highlight reel. But on the one I watched. We actually had another chance after the Tongans, and it was I a. I don't corner. remember that. It was a corner in the ninety-fourth. It wasn't a proper chance, but it was like this was the one for me where I was like, okay, yeah, this is it, because it was a corner in the ninety-fourth minute, and it comes to Lorente, and like every other head of that game, he just blazed it over the bar, mm. and then after that, you've got Onana waiting thirty-five seconds. Getting a yellow oh, card. I do remember that actually. And then that's that's when I was like, you know what, this is it. Me and Gavin, me and Gavin walked out of the pub. Did <laughs> make the same mistake I did with the city game. But I, I, I <laughs> think that's good luck, Jed. At this point, yeah. I think you got to yeah. walk out of the pub more often. Whenever guess, Jed makes some like, whenever Jed's like, oh, game over. Or yeah. Calls a player, calls a player shit. That's when they. That's the when time. it happens. All, all in the group chat all the time. But yeah, there was still a little. Um, because Broadway have the blinds, but they have little gaps in them. Yeah. So I could still see through the gap. You still had that bit of hope. Yeah. And then... Was there many other Tottenham fans in Broadway? Yeah, no, it was, it was it quite busy. It, it was quite mixed. There was a few Spurs fans and obviously quite a lot of Arsenal fans in there giving it. Um, but yeah, it was... What unfolded after that, it was just madness. I mean, it's, madness. It's, it was that thing where like, it, like I remember the the commentary 
and like the ball had gone long and they'd won the header and then it was it might even have been Sinkraven or at least one of their attackers um maybe Tadic was running up against Sissoko and they were mm. like oh Sissoko's got a lot of ground to make up he makes it up and he makes the tackle um oh no 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 not even that Larice makes a great save against um uh yeah. I can't remember who had a shot Ziyech and then a rebound came to Tadic and then he put it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had so a big chance. a great save, yeah. Really good There's save. a great save by Lloris and then, yeah, Tadic blazes it over. And they um, the corner. Sorry? They could have just wasted time on that one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those opportunities where they should have taken it to the corner. Um, And then, obviously, by that point, you know, Sissoko was basically playing... You know, centre half, centre mid, attacking mid, um, and um, obviously, yeah, whatever unfolds at that time. Yeah, go on, Eddie, talk, talk us through it, then. So uh, Onana has the goal kick. Yeah, so Onana has the goal kick, and you know, it's crazy. Like, yeah, as I was saying, like Sissoko is basically centre half at that point, um, and he wins. We win the ball, and then you're thinking. The only thing we can do in the 95th minute is lump it forward. Yeah. So you, so Sissoko, you know, hell Mary, you know that like that's the only thing we have left. And Lorente, you know, doing what he's actually been doing for pretty much the whole of the second half, wins that first ball. And then Deli Ali, um, it's actually an incredible flick. Oh yeah, this, this is not this was not luck. It wasn't. It wasn't. It it wasn't it was instinctive, but it wasn't luck. It was a really really just great flick. He knew where Lucas was, mm. and yeah, Lucas running onto it, and then obviously the now iconic, oh they done it! <laughs> that literally gives me goosebumps and and makes like makes me like tear up every yeah, time. Yeah 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 yeah. It it makes me tear up, man. Every it's, time. It's 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 literally it, you can hear the emotion. It's mm. like it is. Be, it was be, that moment was beyond football. Like, um, because that you know, like commentators are meant to be neutral. There was nothing neutral about the yeah. like the way that goal was commentated. Well, even it Rio was, Ferdinand in the studio was celebrating like he was a Spurs fan. Yeah, and Glenn Hoddle, bless him, like he, he probably nearly had another heart attack. Like, yeah, when that goal went in, um, it was just. Yeah, I've never, I've never actually had been in a, in a moment where like so much pandemonium erupted, yeah. um, especially when I was watching it. Where I was watching it, like chairs were flying everywhere, mm. people like hug, like beer everywhere, people were hugging people. The amount of people, I don't know how many people, you know, in these testing Corona times, the amount of people that are hugged <laughs> after that game, uh, sorry, <laughs> after that goal, it was, it was nuts. It was like I was at the game. I felt like I was at yeah. the, the the stadium celebrating that goal. It was it was such an emotional moment. Like you can't help but like tear up. Mm. Um, just at the at the memory, let alone at the time. Yeah, I think the best thing for me as well was just watching Poch's reaction. Like, yeah, the passion that came out there. I was like, that's the that, guy. That, um, <laughs> that interview after the game where he starts crying. Oh, 
his shirt ruffled down, the chest hair coming out, the ch- the, yeah. the chain going through. <laughs> The chain, yeah. He's looking yeah, like he's looking like a hard nut, and then the emotion comes out. And it's you've got. It, I, you know? I actually cried at that. No lie, I cried at that. That I little yeah. cried at that interview at the time. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't cry, but I had such a lump in my throat. Like it was so emotional, man. Everything man. that Poch and his team have been working towards, and all the hard mm. work that they've put in over the years, it all like it all came down to this one moment and like he knows exactly what it means to each and every one of us yeah and we've had that connection with with a manager before so it was like i i was just so happy for him and the coaching staff and all the fans it, it just made me so emotional yeah that's the thing like he wasn't even a football manager in that moment no, i haven't ever seen a football manager out like that when he's yeah. like uh, oh yeah i want to thank my family Honestly, yeah. thinking about it, it's just it gives me goosebumps, man. It's mm. amazing. Yeah, I remember when it happened as well. Like, because obviously you're in Park Bar, there wasn't actually that many Tottenham fans there. Mm. And all my mates like, oh, you got, you got to go to the bar get a few more drinks. But at that point, you know, I was just watching the TV and I was just still like in shock of what just happened. I just, I couldn't like, I just couldn't believe what I just saw. Like, that mm. doesn't happen to Tottenham ever. Yeah, ever. You're just watching it. But I wanted to just see. More of the reaction because I wanted to take that all in. I should have filmed Taylor's reaction, PB do. Yeah, <laughs> I what bet every 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 um Arsenal fan's reaction to that game was thanks for that thunder. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, I I think they were make believing that Ajax were Arsenal just because the kit is kind of similar. Like they <laughs> they wanted all the glory that they could get, and they had it sapped out of them like dirty little scoundrels they are I'm not going to swear <laughs> but they deserved it they deserved it um, I just I just think yeah as as I was like we were saying before like it's one of those moments that are literally it's, it's hard to explain but like it's one of those moments where even if you're not a football fan you can understand the emotion behind it mm. because it was one of those moments where like it kind of transcends the 11 v 11 game. Like it was, like you said, Jed, it was like the, like a project um, spanning years of work to, mm. from like the groundsman to, to, to the cl- like to club management, to the, to, to, to the, um, the staff and, and, and the managing the, 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 the team, the coaching team. Um, and, Obviously, the emotion got to Poch in that interview because he was trying to thank everyone to get. Because yeah. time and time again, in so many interviews, he's expressed how uninterested he's in, like menial trophies, the mm-hmm. Carabao Cup. He's not interested in it. FA Cup. He's not really interested in it. He was dedicated to getting the highest honours in terms of the Champions League, in terms of Premier League. He always talked about those two competitions. And it was like the project was fully realised mm. in that interview because we'd got yeah. to the final where in a final, you know, 11 v 11, anything can happen in a final. Yeah, And like that is obviously just down to the day. The project is getting to the final. And like he got there, and yeah, it was just 
it was so just so emotional he made us believe he made us believe i feel like we do you remember when um we sort of pushed uh city and united when we had red nap and i remember like feeling like almost embarrassed to admit that i thought spurs could win the title you didn't really have that with poch like um and I think this is one of the things that saw us disliked so much when we had Poch, was the fact that when I would encounter uh, fans at uni um, and they give the whole trophy thing or whatever, if we got a little bit more in depth into the conversation and it came up like, because I think we were knocked out of everything quite early on, but not the Champions League. And I remember saying to someone like, still got a Champions League? And they'd just be like, more or less, they'd be like, are your Spurs? Like, Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Poch really instilled that belief of, yeah, I don't care about the FA Cup. Don't care about Carling Cup. We're, we're a big team that can, that can win the league or the Champions League. And I actually, I got into that mentality completely. And I remember like a Chelsea fan sort of being to me, one of my mates at uni, just being like, oh, who do you think you are? You need to win the FA Cup and the League Cup. And, and then you can start talking about Champions League or League or whatever. But with Poch, like, he just—he was so determined. He just had this belief that, yeah, we are gonna, we're gonna do big things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of why we loved him. And then, yeah, as you guys said, the emotion, the spirituality around him, just such togetherness. Like, yeah. Yeah. It will go down as like um, an almost like a mythical moment where Poch is on the on this pitch. He's kneeling down, like facing the grass, and you're like, "Yeah, you deserve it. Like, you deserve yeah. this moment." Mm, like yeah. him, you know, Jesus and the rest of the coaching staff, they all deserved that moment when Lucas scored the winner. Yeah, like, and that you know, obviously, might not necessarily be the peak of their careers. Poch is probably going to go on to manage plenty Newcastle. of clubs. <laughs> yeah, or Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, or start another project and, and actually win it this time. Um, but, um, you know, I doubt, yeah, I doubt that's going to be the end of their careers. Um, but, you know, at that time, you'd have thought, like, that's, you know, that's probably the best moment of their footballing careers. Yeah. Just that feeling. And obviously the celebrations off the pitch, mm. like, the players hugging each other and running out like and celebrating with the with the traveling fans it's yeah, yeah it's like a mythical moment that iconic yeah. image of uh we mentioned it earlier danny rose with his heineken yeah yeah earn that beer earn that beer with the nutmeg and, yeah. the, and the, you know, the chance he earned it i think it can be forgotten either um it's not forgotten amongst tottenham fans but i don't think rival fans really realize the circumstances it was under as well the mm. fact that that was the season we didn't sign anyone. Mm. The fact that we were going into the, both the quarterfinals and the semifinals with chronic injuries and barely any squad. And we were still fighting for top four as well. Like, it, it shouldn't have happened. Like, we shouldn't have even got to where we were. We shouldn't have even got top, top four. Yeah. And the fact that we managed to do all that, we managed to overcome City and probably one of the best teams in the Champions League that year in Ajax. Yeah. And still managed to secure top four, although Arsenal fucked it up. Like, it, it was such an incredible achievement. 
And that, that was completely summed up with uh, <laughs> that legendary Sky Sports interview, which I just love, with that geezer in the sunglasses. And he's like, <laughs> fair play to Poch. He hasn't signed anyone. He's like, no money. <laughs> oh, I'm going to Madrid. No matter what. You're going to have to go rob a bank. Yeah. <laughs> I love I it. Think, um, I think like the most, it, it, it kind of encapsulates like how much it meant to Tottenham fans. You were talking about Poch knowing how much it meant to Tottenham fans. When, you know, like in the, in the, in the punditry after the game in the studio, um, Glenn Hoddle is basically in tears when he says he's just you know he's been a he's been a Tottenham fan for pretty much all his life, and he's he's so happy that he's alive to see that moment. Yeah, because obviously he like obviously to do with the with the with the stroke and um, and um, obviously you know making a, a great recovery of course, um, but like him just being thankful to see that like Tottenham get to that point in in their in their journey and he's just happy to be alive to see that it was just yeah yeah it was a really just a fantastic moment to be a Spurs fan mm-hmm. and I think you know regardless of what happened in the final obviously a very painful moment for us um like I don't think that final takes away like the the the, the game um in terms of like how much it meant to all of us I think um, one thing that we forgot to mention was, uh, and it's definitely an afterthought, but yeah, Lamella nearly fucking things up. <laughs> you know what? You, I, I just realised, because I've watched the No Filter and the, the short highlight package so many times, and they don't show it on there. Mm. But yeah, one they, today, they actually show it, and that's the first time I've seen it since it happened. And it just gets it just gets crazier. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, I think we have... We have an option in Lucas to counter-attack and hit in the corner. The guy does a ball roll and tries to nutmeg someone. <laughs> on the edge of our box. Yeah, was it literally on the edge? Like, is it as bad as I remember it? Because I haven't seen it, it since. Was, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Like, it was sort of like... So, the corner flag's here. Well, you can't really see it. Um, it was sort of like just, just coming out of the corner flag on the corner of the box. And then he loses it right on the corner of the box. Wow. How did we recover tried, it? Well, they, they tried to put a cross in and it was a shit cross and I think it was someone like, it might have been Sissoko just headed it back, back to Lamella. Oh my God. He gets the second chance. He gets the second bite and you can see he's thinking about it. He's like, should I do it again? <laughs> <laughs> but then this time he just flicks it around the corner and we, we counter it. It ends up being like a two, five versus two. And then... At this stage, you're just thinking, blow the whistle. It's like, we're eight minutes over now. Yeah, well, he played two minutes, so we're two much. minutes. Yeah. But, and then it goes to Sissoko, and then you hear Genius like, take it to the corner. And yeah. then it, he doesn't. He cuts inside, <laughs> turns, around, turns around, and then turns around again, and then wins the foul, and then that's it. Yeah, <laughs> they do show that breakaway in the highlights, and we could have scored from that. It could have been... Um, yeah, I think we didn't have any more legs left. could have been 4-2. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought I was taking away the shine. Thank you so much for listening. We actually went for a break here before talking about contemporary Spurs. Um, we came back, we spoke about one Foyth, we spoke about the Daily Alley robbery, um, we spoke about Harry Kane just being like an all-round great guy, really. Um, 
but that talk ended up list, uh, taking about 45 minutes and we realised you guys wouldn't want a podcast that goes on for like two hours so we will release that as a nice bit of a bonus episode. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you've made it this far, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Helps us immensely. Tell a friend about it. You know. But yeah, thank you for all your support.